for 30 plus years. I've seen every type of child grow up. Instead of giving me what I wanted, she gave me what I needed, which was truth. Don't let emotions win. Let truth win. Do your very best, and you should have a lot of fun while you do it. And the better you get at something, the more fun you're going to have at something. You moms and dads are wired with everything you need to be a parent to a great kid. Welcome to Parenting Great Kids. This is episode number 79. Hard to believe we've done that many. I'm your host, Dr. Meg Meeker, and today my guest is a very good friend, Anthony O'Neill. Anthony is a speaker and an author. Since 2003, Anthony O'Neill Youth Ministries has helped thousands of students succeed with money in their work and personal lives. Now Anthony has joined Ramsey Solutions to spread this encouraging message to students nationwide. Before joining Ramsey Solutions, Anthony was the pastor of One Way Youth Ministries at the Bethel Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. His youth conferences, concerts, and events have drawn enormous crowds, and he's worked with some of the biggest names in the industry, including Kirk Franklin and Bishop T.D. Jakes's Firehouse Youth Ministry. He's also co-author of the book, The Graduate Survival Guide, Five Mistakes You Can't Afford to Make in College. As always, I'll share my points to ponder so you can start using them right away. And remember, parents, don't just download the episodes. Click subscribe, because when you do that, you are joining my parenting revolution and every new episode will show up in your subscribed list. I promise you won't regret it. And remember, I'd love for you to write a review on iTunes and let us know what you think about the podcast. Also, not only are we on iTunes, but the Parenting Great Kids podcast is in the Google Play Store and on Stitcher. So no matter where you get your podcast, subscribe today so that you won't miss a single episode. Friends, I know if you're like I am when I was raising my kids and now with my grandkids, I get sick and tired of hearing them argue. You know, my kids would often not listen to me and sometimes life at home would feel like it was a little out of control. If you are experiencing this too, I totally get it and I can help you. I wrote my course, Discipline with Courage and Kindness, and it's on my website and I wrote it specifically so that you can enjoy your kids more, get them to listen to you, and tone the chaos in your house down a couple of notches. Check it out, megmeekermd.com or meekerparenting.com. So parents, thanks for listening. This is episode number 79. Stay with us. I want you now to listen in on a conversation I had with my great friend, Anthony O'Neill. I know you're really going to enjoy it. Well, Anthony, thanks so much for coming on my podcast. I've been looking forward to this for several weeks. Oh, man, I just, I'm excited. Like, thanks for having me on. <laughs> you bet. And, you know, you and I are going on the road pretty soon. We're going to Sacramento and we're going to Minneapolis. And um, so I want anybody in my audience who's near two of those places to come and join us because we are going to have some fun. So anyway... Uh, Anthony, you travel the country and you talk to teens and young adults. So you really have your finger on the pulse of what they're going through. What do they tell you 
are the greatest challenges they face? You know, May, that's a good question. And, you know, there's like uh, there's a lot of challenges that these young people are facing. But some of the top ones are number one is they're not really feeling connected to their parents. Uh, you know, they're, mm. they're feeling as if, you know, they're they're in completely two different worlds. In some cases, um, I can understand that. But um, at the same time, they want to be connected to their parents. And then so not feeling connected to the parents. And then also like, hey, how do I blend into the world? You know, I'm not really blending in. My friends are cool and I'm not cool or this is happening and, and I'm not a part of it. So how do I blend in? And then they're not really finding their self identity. You know, and this mm-hmm. is one thing that I'm really seeing a lot when it comes to young people, whether this is in middle school, high school, and even up to college ages, is they don't really understand and 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 they're not really comfortable with who they are and what yeah. they bring into today's society. Do you think their parents are aware that this is going on in their lives? No, I, I do not. And here's why. I will say that some parents are aware because they have good relationships, but uh when I say the majority some of these deeper issues that young people are dealing with, um, the parents are not aware because they're not connected to their young people, to their to their kids. And so which is why I'm so excited about our event that we're going to be going on, because mm-hmm. we're going to help them learn how to get better connected to be aware of these things that their young people are facing. So really, we've got two things going on. We've got the kids frustrated facing these things and they feel disconnected from their parents. And yet a lot of the parents I see say, you know, my kids don't want anything to do with me. They can't stand me. They roll their eyes. They yell. And I think parents feel frustrated because they're not connected to their kids either. So what are the ways that you tell parents to better connect with their kids and kids to better connect with their parents? Because I think they both want to. Yeah. They just don't know how. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think the very first thing that I would even say to the parent, uh, because they are they're the parents. So they are the head of the house and they're leading this is one step up to the plate. And one, when you step up to the plate, step up and really try to understand where they are currently in their life. You know, because, you know, they've never been 15 before. You have. They've never been 10 before. You have. And so sometimes parents can come from a perspective of like, oh, this is going to be you get over this in the next two days or the next two years. But really, kids want to be understood. They want their parents to know like, hey, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. And so if the parents can learn to step back. And kind of remind themselves, okay, one, my child's never been 10 years old. My child's never been 15. They've never been through this. Let me just relate. Let me understand. And then two, with the kids, it's like, hey, be honest with your parents. Mom, dad, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm facing. This is what I'm going through. What is your guidance? Do you even understand me right now? And so I think when both of them can just really uh, be be patient with each other and be honest with each other and then parents step back and really try to not really come down in a sense of maturity, but come down to their level to kind of relate, then give them guidance and wisdom from there. You know, I think one of the biggest frustrations parents have is that they talk to their kids like their kids can think like they can and they can't. And and I think that, you know, when they see their kids, particularly if you have a 16-year-old boy who really looks like a man and he's shaving and his voice <laughs> is deep and parents go, he's a good kid, I can trust him. So they sort of let him go. But that's really not a healthy thing to do because he's a kid still. Yeah. So I love what you're talking about. If parents and kids out there or some parents listening to us feel like they're at an impasse, um, 
their kids won't talk to them or the, or the parents don't want to talk to the kids. They just are butting heads all the time. It can be scary for either party to kind of come in and say, you know, let's just sort of sit down and talk here because there's a lot of anger and tension and, um, uh, you know, there, there may be three years of that or two years of that. And that's all they know how to, that's the only style they know how to relate in. So, you know, if you can back up a little bit and if you have a situation with your teen where they just won't talk to you at all, they don't want to be around the house. Um, how would you as a parent sort of approach that teen? Cause obviously you have to go slower. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that teen you're describing was me. You know, I was that young kid that was in the house that didn't want to talk to my dad because I thought he was just the meanest guy on the planet and he never listened to me. Um, and if mm-hmm. I can go back and talk to, you know, myself or even to my parents at that time, um, I think sometimes parents just need to just be in the presence and be loving and just be there. Ask a question and listen. Sometimes you don't have to bring an answer, bring your your thoughts to the to the situation right then to to your kids right then. Because sometimes kids honestly just want to be able to talk and just talk a lot. Right. And just know that their parents actually value what they're saying or even just understand what they're saying. But, you know, I think there's a time and place for every parent to be like, hey, you know, let's have a talk about this or hey, son, for an example, how was your day? And let your son, let your daughter just say how their day was and just say, that's good. I mean, that is man, Mm -hmm. that's nice. Or, hey, what do you think about this, son? I don't really like this, but what do you think about this? Let them talk. Mm -hmm. Okay, I understand. I I totally get it. Okay, I see that. Mm -hmm. Thanks. And you'll be surprised of how many kids like, wait, my mom and dad just didn't talk to me to death about this like wait they actually heard me wow yeah and then they'll want to come back more and talk more and then eventually they'll ask you so mom and dad what do you think and now you've just created the opportunity to where both sides can have a conversation yeah you know i would say that every single teenager i've worked with who's a little older who's really just um doing really obnoxious things to get attention from parents or the parents have taken off or left or whatever. But every teen I've had who's in dire straits says two things. Nobody cared enough to listen to me and nobody really cares about me. But I was intrigued that they say no one wants to hear what I have to say. They feel unheard and they feel that nobody really wants to hear what they have to say. And I think, and I can speak from a mother's standpoint here, I think that so many times we as mothers, and I don't know if dads do this, but we see our kids sort of going farther and farther away from us, and we want to grab them and pull them back, and we believe the best way to do that is to grab them and then just tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them what to do. And even if we ask a question, as the teen is answering the question, we're already uh, figuring out what we're going to say in response to what he's saying. And then we interrupt. We go, no, 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 you don't understand. You got to this and this. So we're really bad at listening, yeah. particularly moms. And it's it's a discipline for a parent to say to their child, you know, how are you doing? I just want to hear you. And then don't mm. say anything. Even if you don't like what the kid <laughs> says, be quiet. You know, respond in 24 hours, but not at that time. And you know, it's such a simple thing, but I think that kids would love that. If you could boil a teenager's needs down to four or five, what do you think those fundamental needs 
um, that a teenager we have, we know they want to connect with their parents, but underneath the surface, what are they really looking for? This is good. All right. Um, I would say the top four or five things that a kid uh, desires, need, um, understanding, love, Mm -hmm. acceptance, value, and Mm -hmm. feeling heard. Yeah, that's it. And even if a parent does two of those, you know, sometimes for many kids, you know, that's good enough. So how do parents make their kids feel valued in this crazy busy world when parents believe the best thing I can do for my child is get them a tutor to get better grades, make sure they have a good coach to help them excel in soccer, football, whatever. And so they sort of are just constantly keeping their kids engaged and busy because they want to really kind of build a portfolio for these kids. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how else to say it. I just got a letter from a lady the other day, you know, my kid's so stressed out and, um, but she really wants to go to Yale and I really wanted to go there too. And I thought, well, but she, anyway, other than just sort of getting your kids to do a lot of stuff and be really good at all of that stuff, how can a parent communicate to their teenager that you teenager have value to me mm. you know uh one of my mentors and uh with me being a personality here we have an executive director that's over all the personalities his name is jeremy breland um and uh i was very impressed um he left yesterday to take his uh 15, his 16 year old son uh to go do something that he's dreamed about doing for the last five years and that's to play golf mm. on the most beautiful golf course in the United States of America. And so he said, Hey son, you're so valuable to me, to your, to your mother, my wife, that, you know what? I'm going to take off of two days to help you fulfill one of your dreams. That speaks so much. And I'm not saying this is what parents have to do, but um, all of them have to do that. But what I'm saying is identify what, what, what is your kid passionate about? And if it's something healthy that is good for them, deposit into that. Make them feel like, yo, what I like, my parents actually like. What I want to do, my parents will support it. What I dream about, my parents want to help my dreams come alive. They'll walk away feeling valued. They'll walk away feeling loved. They will walk away feeling understood. I mean, there's so much that can come from just that one thing. But I just think that's so important to where, yeah, sometimes parents can be have that tough love. And sometimes that's needed. Actually, a lot of times that's needed. But sometimes, you know, value is just how can I love you? that you can receive. And you know, the beautiful thing about that and you're you're talking about is that um, Jeremy or any father like that doing things with his son, you don't have to say anything. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that this son sees you taking time out of your busy day and your work and sacrificing income (laughs) and going and, you know, because, you know, that's a lot, but, you know, and then going and sort of saying, we're going to go off. This is our time together. I'm not going to do it with the other kids. I'm going to do it only with you. And you know what? I mean, that kid that makes that kid feel like they're on the top of the world. And if a parent can't afford to take their 
child to a you know great golf course there's so many other things you can do you can take your child camping you can find some woods around you and pitch a tent or you know there're just so many things that you can do or if your son likes basketball find a great basketball you know game to go with to go to um but you're absolutely right and i think one of the things that i've seen in kids is that when parents do something like that say they do it two, three times a year, they take their child out and do something. When the child's older, they will say, oh, my dad did that once a month. We, you know, we went all the time. It sort of expands in the child's eyes. It's really pretty cool. So that's how you make them feel valued. And we've talked about listening. When a parent really disagrees with their child um, and, you know, on a, on a, big scale maybe their their child is an alcoholic or they're just doing things that parents really disagree with how can that parent communicate acceptance to that teen when they really don't like what they're doing well you know at the end of the day you know i believe that a parent needs to be a parent if let's say for an example you you find that your 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 teenage son who's 18 or younger let's say for an example is drinking um, I always say, remember, you're the parent, not the friend. So you have to be very firm. Say, hey, listen, I disagree with this. And while you're still living beneath my roof and um, mm-hmm. you're below this age, um, you're not going to be doing this. But son, I love you. Um, I don't want you to think this is something personal against you, but it's not healthy. Like explain to the child while you're making that decision. Just don't yell at them and just make them feel belittled, but explain to them, hey, I'm doing this because I do love you. I'm doing this because I want to protect you from hurting yourself in the future. Now, once this teenager gets above age, I think that's when we got to transition and say, you know what? Uh, I do not like this. I love you. This is why I do not like it. But I would suggest that you do not do this. But when they're below age, Meg, I mean, my son is not yeah. drinking <laughs> 15, 16 right. years old. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's not, happening. Yeah, it's not yeah. happening. And I'm going to make sure that he understands why he's not drinking through love. But I'm going to be firm as a parent uh, because I'm not his friend. I'm not going to be my son or my daughter's friend up front. I'm going to be the parent. So um, that's what I would say. But I, I've always believed that as a Christian believer, um, you know, Jesus gets upset at me, but he also gets upset through love and he communicates through love. And that's just I always want to lead with that. Make sure that you always come off loving, even when you strongly disagree and even when you're upset. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you're absolutely right. You can sort of separate what the child's doing mm-hmm. and how they're acting out from the child. Um, but it's hard to do, and it's really hard to be a tough, strong parent in this age. Parents, I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Anthony. We need to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more of my conversation with Anthony. With today's distractions and busy schedules, it's easy to lose sight of what's really important to us, the things we love and appreciate, real moments with family, from cooking with your kids to sipping a refreshing drink at home with them after a long day. Dairy milk helps us savor the real moments that matter with the ones we love, while also giving our kids nutrients they need to grow strong and help them recharge. Friends, when my kids were growing up, I made sure that at lunch and dinner, they had real milk. It's not only a great source of high-quality protein, it has calcium and vitamin D to strengthen bones and... 
vitamins for energy. And if your kids are athletes like mine were, they need that. So make sure that your kids get enough real milk every day. Learn more at MilkLife.com. That's MilkLife.com. Rothy's are the everyday flats for life on the go. I will tell you, friends, since my daughter introduced me to Rothy's a couple of years ago, I am hooked. I have several pair in different colors. I love them. Not only do they come in wonderful colors, they're comfortable. You can throw them in the wash to get them clean. And they're made of recycled plastic bottles. Now, you hear about that and you think, what shoe would look good made out of recycled bottles? I'll tell you, you need to just go to Rothy's, try a pair, and you'll be hooked too. They're so comfortable. They're available in a wide range of colors and patterns, as well as four different silhouettes. Rothy's go with everything from yoga pants to dresses and skirts. Plus, they're constantly launching new styles, so you're guaranteed to find a pair or three, like me, that you love. Best of all, since Rothy's are seamlessly crafted from recycled water bottles, they're ultra comfortable as soon as you slip them on. And Rothy's has diverted over 25 million water bottles from landfills. Right now, Rothy's has an amazing deal for my listeners. Use the code MEG to get free shipping with no minimum. That's free shipping and free returns or exchanges on your Rothy's shoes when you go to rothys.com. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com and enter MEG to get your new favorite flats and free shipping. Once you try shoes that are comfortable, stylish, and sustainable, you're never going to wear anything else. Head to rothys.com and claim this offer with code MEG. Let's just talk about social media for a little bit. Um, you know, there are a lot of studies coming out. We're going to talk about screens. Girls are hooked on social media. Boys are hooked on video mm-hmm. games. What effect do you think that's having on kids and their relationships with their friends and with their parents? Uh, it, it's, it's dramatically affecting uh, the both because screen time, you know, girls are attached to social media because I believe they're getting affirmation from there. Um, guys are atta- attached to video games because, um, you know, guys, we are wired to accomplish something. We want to hunt. We want to win something. And so, hey, we go there for social media. So I always recommend uh, to parents that, hey, one, we got to lead by an example. And when you come in the house, you get off of the screen as well and mm-hmm. show your kids like I'm going to. Focus on you, on the family, no screens. So at the dinner table, we're not on social media. We don't even have cell phones at the dinner table. Um, when we come in and, and it's, it's an hour, two hours of family time, we're watching TV together maybe or doing something. We don't have any cell phones. We're not playing the video games. We're, we're together as a family. When I was growing up, all we really could do was just watch TV. We didn't have social media back then in them days. We had AOL in the chat room, but my parents didn't even let me think about the, the chat rooms back then because <laughs> yeah. it was like, hey, yeah. we're going to be at the dinner table. And we talked about things at the dinner table. And the dinner table, we was at the dinner, t- dinner table, Meg, for at least an hour and a half eating. Oh. Sometimes we weren't eating. We were talking about life. And mm-hmm. I think that it's just... It's funny. I was talking with a kid the other day and um, I was mentoring him. And I said, what is one thing that you find interesting about your family? 
And um, it was like, well, there, I'll tell you one thing I do love about my family. I was like, what? I said, um, we text a lot. I said, really? He was like, yeah, just the other day, you know, I text my mom in the room next to me at the house. And I was like, what? <laughs> and so <laughs> yeah, I, just the fact that they even like that. Like I want to text my mom yeah. who's in the very next room in her bedroom and we're texting back and forth rather than having a face-to-face conversation. Mm-hmm. And so I think the screens are becoming a distraction. It's becoming the norm. And we have to break that because we have to get back to the face-to-face and really uh, depositing healthy stuff into our minds, especially into our kids' minds. What do kids say about their parents' use of screens. Do they ever talk about that? Or do they talk about just their use of screens? Yeah, I mean, they, they always say, my parents are always on their cell phones or my dad is always on this laptop. I've never really heard this generation of kids say, like, for an example, um, a 15-year-old male saying that his 40-year-old pops is playing the video games. No, the most I hear is, man, yeah, I was at the football game and my dad missed my touchdown because he was looking down and texting or -hmm. responding to an email. Or, you know, a young lady saying, hey, I came in and I was trying to show my dad uh, my dress for prom, but, you know, my dad really wasn't paying attention to me because um, him and my mom were texting on the phone. So that kind of stuff right there, I think, is, is important. One thing I am fearful of, because this generation is growing up with the video games for guys, we are starting to see more younger guys um, in the 20s and 30s who are very addicted still to video games. So my fear is these guys will grow up fathering um, a younger generation and playing video games and being attached to that. So um, we've got to get better at that as parents. And we have to start leading our children like, hey, if we're going to ask you to get off of screen time, we're going to get off screen time as well. And screen time is phones. Screen time is computers. I'm just a big fan of once I come home, I'm going to try my hardest to not bring work home. Once I'm home, I'm home. And I'll deal with work at the appropriate hours. But when my kids are home, I need to be in front of uh, kids. I'm going to call that kids screen time. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, you know, the other thing that because because this is one of the big issues that parents talk to me about all the time is, you know, they say something typically like this, you know, my son is on his phone all the time and I don't want him on the phone all the time. What should I do? And he said, well, you just told me you don't want him on the phone all the time. So what would be a reasonable limit for his phone? Well, you know, if he were even off at two hours a day, I said, well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if I do that, he's going to yell and scream and hate me. I said, you know what? Teenagers have temper tantrums just like two-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Right. You know, but I think it's really, really hard for parents. I think also what I see in teenagers, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you interface with many, many more than I do, is that kids are constantly on. They're constantly stimulated. They're constantly getting bombarded with, uh, you know, noise, you know, visual noise, audio noise. Just it's almost like they're living on adrenaline all the time. And that's not good for their bodies. No, it, it's really not. And here's one thing, too, that that I've learned from teenagers is um, they don't mind their parents saying, hey, you're going to get off a little bit. Give them something else to do. Like 
expose them to something else. If you just say get off and then just leave them, then yeah, they, they're not exposed to anything else. So if you say, hey, listen, when you come home, you can do two two hours of social media. Um, but you know what? After that, how about we let's start working on building a business for you or hey, let's start spending some time looking up scholarships or hey, go get a job. Give them something else to do mm-hmm. that distracts them from that and the kids are actually loving it the truth is Meg when I grew up I wanted to watch TV every day but my parents said you only can get an hour during the week and you can get four hours on the weekend and so I was like okay but then my dad was like well what you're going to do is you're going to do your chores you're going to do your homework you're going to do this you're going to do that he gave me something else to do so before I knew it I didn't really recognize that I only watch an hour worth of TV every single day because I was busy being productive and so I think that's and it and it grew into me like still now I only watch maybe 30 minutes to 45 minutes of TV every day because I'm mm-hmm. always trying to find something that's productive. And so if we really want to do that, give them give them some limits, but then also give them something else productive that they will enjoy doing. I think that's really great advice because a lot of times parents will go, no, 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 but they don't have the yes in there. They don't have the yes to this. And. And I want to encourage parents, you know, many kids are addicted. And one of the ways you know your child's addicted is you say, okay, you need to turn it off for two hours a day. And if they really scream and yell, that's a big red flag mm-hmm. that they don't want to feel like they're going to withdraw from it. So you might have to ease them off. But what I have found is once kids get used to dialing down on all of that, it feels so good. They want to stay there, but a lot of them don't have the capacity or the ability, the constitution to sort of keep themselves away from social media or video games because all their kids are doing it. We only have a couple minutes left, and I just want to talk about uh, one thing because I know parents are very worried about it, and I'm sure you see it, and that's the rise of depression in mm. teenagers. And where, you know, where do you think this is coming from? Because I know parents are scared. And they're scared that they're going to miss something. And they they hear about all this, you know, the suicides and so forth. You know, have you seen a shift in kids' moods? Or do you see many kids who are struggling with depression or anxiety? You know, Meg, I am. And and to be honest, it's not just in teens. I'm seeing this even within that millennial generation. My generation, I would say the two things that's contributing to this is really two things. One, they're not knowing who they are. They, they don't know their, their identity. And then two, because social media is so big. So they're letting social media define who they are, what they should be doing, how they should be thinking. And so if that doesn't match with who they really are, then it brings depression. And I, I'm fighting that. Um, and I, you know, it, it's, it's scary because social media is so much into this generation. And so, one thing I've been doing with kids is saying, hey, step off social media. It goes back to what I was telling you know, them about uh, the parents. Um, and I've been doing it myself. Like I'm stepping off social media because I think it can just naturally draw you in. And even Rachel mm-hmm. Cruz even wrote a book about that. And so 
That's one thing I've been challenging kids to do is like once a week, get off social media for 24 hours. Just just mm-hmm. step back, refresh yourself and just start focusing on you, focusing on who you are, start defining who you want to become in the future. And I've started noticing when young people start doing that, they really start coming back on social media and saying, you know what? That's not me. Who cares? OK, I'm fine. And it, they feel more certain about who they are. And I, I love that. Well, and they feel better about themselves. You know, I'm a middle-aged woman and I don't go on Facebook, you know, a lot of those things because I feel worse about myself because everybody has, you know, they're prettier or they have a nicer dog or their kids are happy or they, you know, anything. It's kind of social media to me is kind of like a show off zone. You know, it's like, look how great I'm doing and look how happy my life is. And you can't help but walk away going, uh huh. <laughs> and so, you know, and I, if I imagine as a 16 year old um, girl, it's just got to be, it's got to be so confusing and so isolating. But I think you're absolutely right about the depression. I think there's a lot of things. And then if you have a, a, a kid that's on there mm-hmm. and then they go home and they feel disconnected from yep. their parents and they, feel like their parents never want to listen to them or ask their opinion or hear what they have to say. I mean, it's like the perfect storm and and kids just can't handle it. And no wonder, you know, depression is going up in them. It it is, you know, and uh, just recently we celebrated uh, Valentine's Day and and I was just looking at some posts of just young people talking about, oh, I didn't get any flowers. Oh my gosh, I must not be attractive. Oh, I'm not loved. And, and, And again, if this is a young girl, now watch this. Yeah. If this is a young girl saying, I didn't get any flowers and her father is in her life. I'm disappointed in her father because her father should have been loving her to where she doesn't even notice that she didn't get anything because she had love at home. Or let's say if her father's not in her life, mother sent. I mean, you have to be connected as parents, which is why it's so important for the parent to be connected because if if they're not getting the love from the house, they're looking from somewhere else. And if they're not getting it from somewhere else, that's when they start falling into into depression. And mm-hmm. so um, that's one thing I sent uh, my sister. I sent my mothers. Um, I even sent my young uh, uh, females that I've been mentoring. I sent them all something because I want them Aww. to know like, hey, you are loved. You may not be married, but you are loved. You are valued. You are appreciated. Because I know how important that is for a woman. Now, for brothers, don't send me flowers. <laughs> you know, just send me a you're thank you. You're not a flowers kind of guy. No, yeah. no, yeah. ma'am. No, ma'am. But, you know, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that even a small gesture like that makes kids feel so good. I even still remember, this is crazy, but when I was in the fourth grade, my mother, she'd always pack my lunches and she wrote something on a napkin and she knew I love Reese's peanut butter cups. So, so the special day she put one in and I still remember how it felt when I opened my lunchbox. You know, a simple gesture like that, I go, wow, my mom really is thinking about me. And she, you know, she, she just feels that I'm worth taking that extra time for. And it really does. It, it changes kids' lives. And any parent, I believe, can be connected to any child. You know, no child is beyond hope. So if there's a parent out there listening right now, Anthony, a single parent or parent who's struggling and go, yeah, this all sounds really great, but you don't know my son or you don't know my daughter. She runs away all the time. My son has taken weed all the time and he won't go to school. How, what would you say to that parent? Be encouraged. 
change of words. I was that kid that um, was a knucklehead that were making uh, a lot of bad decisions when I was younger. One thing that my mom always um, did was she always spoke positive and she always reminded me who I was. Even when I made mm. negative decisions, bad decisions that impacted myself, impacted my family. My mom was very careful with what she said over me and around me and about me. She always spoke positive. Number two, um, uh, I know this is not a spiritual podcast, but pray, you know, and then three, be loving, because I believe that if you're loving, you're prayerful and you're speaking positive words and you're still being firm as a parent, your child will turn things around and live by an example mm -hmm. um, and just don't give up. Because my mom didn't give up on me. I got expelled two times when I was in once in middle school, once in high school. Uh, but my mom was still there, still encouraging me, still pushing me, still challenging me, still being a parent and um, uh, directing me on, on some of my bad decisions. Uh, but I am the man who I am today because my mother never gave up and she always spoke positive over me. Well, you know, beautiful, beautiful words, and I really appreciate uh, the time that you have given us, Anthony. Um, you know kids so well, and you can give so much hope and encouragement and wisdom to so many parents. So I really hope that parents come out to join us um, in Sacramento and Minneapolis. How can people find you? How can they um, hear more of what you have to say or look at our schedule? Yeah. Yeah. The, the number one thing you can do is go to my website, anthonyoneal.com. But I'm all over social media, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, uh, you name it. Just it's Anthony O'Neill. All of my social media has that blue check mark. So there's a lot of fake pages out there. But if you see the blue check mark, that is me. Um, but I love connecting with, uh, you know, my followers and my tribe on Instagram. That's at Anthony O'Neill. And to see my itinerary, to see where you and I will be, they can go to anthonyoneill.com and check out my events and see what cities I, I may come to uh, near them. Awesome. 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 And if you have a teenager or a young adult and you know that Anthony's going to be in your area, get them to one of his conferences. They're fabulous. Really fabulous. Anthony, thank you so much for joining me. I would love to have you back on my podcast someday because I know you've got to, we just scratched the surface of what you can teach us. So I'd love to have you back on sometime. I would love to come back on, you know, Meg, you're one of my favorite mothers out there in the world. <laughs> thank you so much. And here are my points to ponder. One, your teens or kids do want to talk to you. You know, many parents feel that their pre-adolescent or adolescent kids just don't want to talk to them. And this is absolutely not true. You know, Anthony listens to thousands of kids every year and teenagers and young adults say to him, all the time. We would like to talk to our parents more and connect with them more, but they just don't know how. You know, they have difficulty expressing themselves and many of them feel that you're not interested in them. And isn't that ironic? Because you feel they're not interested in you. It's important that you be the one to understand the communication gap and that you, the mom or dad, be the first to close it. Kids often feel lonely and like no one wants to listen to them. If you let your teen know that you want to hear what they have to say, sometimes you got to bite your tongue and just listen to them, then he or she will be ready 
to talk. Be patient and keep letting your teen know you really want to listen to him or her and know what's going on in their lives. If you're genuine in that, you pursue them and communicate that to them. I promise they'll open up and talk to you. Two, be the one to take initiative towards restoring a relationship with them. When teens withdraw and they get angry, they push themselves away and they distance themselves from their parents. They can act obnoxious and mean. They act out and they communicate to you that they don't want to have anything to do with you. They're waiting for you to be the one to initiate any gestures of healing. Remember, they do want to be close to you, but they have no clue how to get there. And when they're feeling upset, they will act obnoxious and mean and push you away. But don't be fooled. They really want to connect with you better. They're often as confused about talking as you are. But since you're the adult, you need to take the lead in restoring the relationship. Three, never take your kid's behavior personally. You know, most of the time when preteens or teens get snarly or even mean, parents get their feelings hurt. And I have found that particularly dads, when their daughters are snarly towards them, and many parents believe their kids hate them and want to stay as far away from them as possible. I've experienced this. I've gone through periods where I thought my son hated me when he was a teenager, but that's not true. He didn't. So don't be fooled. Every time your child acts out, remember that he or she is crying out for help from you. I'm going to say that again. Don't be fooled by your child's behavior because every time he or she acts out, they're crying out for help from you. Happy kids don't act out. Hurting kids do. They need you to remove yourself emotionally and figure out what's going on inside of them. Chances are good it isn't about you. All right, parents, let's get social. I want to hear from you and interact with you. You can connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MegMeekerMD. Or if you have a question for me, send it to askmeg at megmeekermd.com. My first question is from Anonymous. Dr. Meeker, I'm in a very bad place. I'm going through severe depression and anxiety as a result of finding out a year ago my daughter has same-sex feelings. She was 13 at the time, and now she's 14. I'm divorced and feel horribly guilty that my divorce caused this. My moral and cultural upbringing is anti-divorce and also anti-gay. I'm so depressed that my children are living with their father right now. 100% of the time, and I rarely see them. I do get more depressed because of the guilt and shame I feel about not having been a mother to them for months. Please, I can't accept this about my daughter, and I feel we're all living in such a gay-affirming society, including her father. She is also in therapy now for depression. I have been through every form of treatment for my depression, including TMS, ketamine, and even ECT, none of which has worked. I'm a shell of a happy person I was before I learned of this information. Now I live in pure isolation. I want to tell you, Anonymous, there are a couple of things that you said in here that are just plain 
wrong. And so I want to straighten those out before I go into any um, suggestions that I had for you. First of all, you did not cause your daughter to have these feelings. And I know that you feel horribly guilty and you feel that your divorce caused this in your daughter, but it didn't. Believe it or not, 13 and 14 year olds are going to do what they're going to do. The fact that she's living with her father and it sounds like her father's gay, she's having very different influences and she's living a very different lifestyle than she would if you were, if she was with you. There's nothing you can do about that. I know that you want her to be with you more. The only way you can get her to be with you more is to petition the courts. And that comes through a good lawyer. Depression says to you, it has a mind of its own and it talks to you. So you need to talk back to your depression. Okay. Depression says to you, you're not worth anything. You've messed up your life. You've messed up your kid's life. You're guilty for everything. Why bother living? All of those are lies. And so when you hear depression talking, you, you need to say, hold on a minute. Say out loud what they're saying to you and then take a piece of paper and write down what is true. I am not responsible for all the things my kids are going through. I am not responsible, fully responsible for my divorce. Did I make mistakes? Sure, but I'm not fully responsible for that. Is my life worth living? Absolutely it is. And so you really need depression is a battle in the mind. I would encourage you, and it sounds like you've been through some very severe uh, treatments for your depression. I don't know if you've ever been in an inpatient setting for six weeks or so. Now, I would recommend that you do something like that. Offhand, I can't think of a program, um, but all you have to do is go to the internet. Um, I know Dr. Phil on his show has recommended some really good treatment programs, but I would start there. When you're fighting depression, it's a war and you pull out all the stops to fight this war. And I know you feel discouraged because you've tried ECT and ketamine and different things, but the battle isn't over. Right now, you fight for your life. Don't think about your daughter. Don't think about your husband. There's nothing you can do. She's living with her dad. I want to also tell you another thing. You're not fully responsible for the decisions she makes. So you got to get that off your back. Okay. You've just got to get that off your back. Find a good treatment center. Go in there for six weeks if you can afford it or if you can get a loan or somebody can help you do that. Second, you need to fight the battle of depression in your head. You need to talk back against it hard. I know this is hard to do because depression convinces you that you're horrible, that you're bad, that you really should die. It's all a lie. The other thing that I would encourage you to do is to understand, you said, I used to be happy, outgoing, and fun, and engaged with my my kids. Now I live in pure isolation. You need to find some friends. I know you don't feel like it, but you got to make yourself do it. One or two good, close friends that you can spend some time in. You cannot be in your house all day long. Depression also tells you nobody wants to be with you. Go to bed, stay away. It's the worst thing you can do. Force yourself to be out with some friends. 
if you have some friends that are in good church, um, go there, talk to the pastor, just get out. I would encourage you to sort of bring your heart before God and say, I don't, I know who you are. I don't know who you are, but ask God to help you. Every recovering drug addict or alcoholic I've ever known has found hope and help through God. And I believe that you can find that hope and help with him too. Think hard about what I'm saying, because this is really important. This is a battle for your heart and your soul. You can win it. You can win it. Thank you, friends, for writing in. You know that I love answering your questions. I love to hear from you. I love to hear about what's going on in your lives and um, and, and how I can help you in any way. Remember, send me any question you have on parenting. No question is off limits. I love answering hard questions about touchy, sensitive issues. You can always write to me at askmeg at megmeekermd.com. Again, askmeg at megmeekermd.com. I want to thank my guest, Anthony O'Neill. You can find out more about Anthony at anthonyoneill.com. Once again, that's anthonyoneill.com. Before I sign off, I need to let you know, friends, that Anthony and I are going to be doing some speaking engagements together. He's going to talk to parents about what their kids need. I'm going to talk to parents about how to give it to their kids. We will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota on May 14th and in Sacramento, California on May 21st. May 14th, Minneapolis, May 21st in Sacramento. If you have any questions, go to Anthony's website. Again, that's anthonyoneal.com. You can also follow Anthony on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Just search for Anthony O'Neill, O-N-E-A-L. So let's recap my points to ponder. One, your kids or teens do want to talk to you. Two, be the one to take initiative towards restoring relationship. And three, never take your kid's behavior personally. So until next time, parents, remember, great kids are raised, not born. Hey, this is Bobby, producer of Meg Meeker's Parenting Great Kids podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening to episode 79, Smart Parenting, Raising Teens. And thanks to you, Dr. Meg's Parenting Revolution has grown to over 3 million downloads. You can like Dr. Meeker on Facebook and follow her on Twitter and Instagram at MegMeekerMD. As a reminder, go to MegMeekerMD.com and sign up for her newsletter for giveaway opportunities and updates. And don't forget to share the podcast, write us a review, and click subscribe so you won't miss an episode.